way I found out about my diagnosis of breast cancer was through a biopsy that was done by my breast surgeon at Memorial Sloan Kettering. I had been going for regular checkups since I was about 25 years old, since I had a condition known as fibrocystic breasts, and my father also happened to be a radiologist. When I had first received a mammogram and ultrasound at my father's office, I noticed that my father had started sweating a little bit, but when I asked him what was wrong, he indicated, oh, nothing, um, everything's fine, this looks just like a fibroadenoma, but I think we should uh, cut it out because it's a little irregular and just confirm that. And I did have the biopsy and my surgeon indicated to me that it was a very small cancer. She was very gentle and very reassuring and said that um, we'll take care of it. Welcome back to the second part of our episode on diagnosis. In this part, listen to the thoughts, feelings, and ideas of breast cancer survivors and how they shared their diagnosis with loved ones. Their voices are woven throughout this episode, each providing a unique perspective from someone who's already experienced what you may currently be going through. The road from cancer diagnosis to survivorship is a journey that offers many twists and turns. Some of these turns may be trying and difficult, and others may offer unexpected comfort. We at the American Cancer Society hope that this podcast series will let women who are dealing with breast cancer know that they're not alone. Now let's hear some of the first-hand experiences of breast cancer survivors as they dealt with the initial diagnosis. Here are some recollections from Suzanne. When you're first faced with the, the thought that you could possibly have breast cancer, the whole experience is completely surreal. Even when I was sitting in the radiologist's office and she said, you know, there's something on your films, it's still like, okay, it's going to be benign. It's a cyst. It's, you know... It's scar tissue, it's whatever. You never can get your hands around the fact that you have breast cancer. And even when you finally hear those words, you have breast cancer, it's still an out-of-body experience. The, the terminology is complicated, the language is another language, and until you've had people explain it to you over and over again, it's, it's such a devastating feeling, and then you feel so out of control. When you're first diagnosed, that first day is so overwhelming because they are throwing out so much information at you, you know, words you've never heard, and you don't know what, how you're going to be treated at this point. You don't know if you're facing a mastectomy. You don't know if you're facing a lumpectomy. I was extremely fortunate that I have a husband who was with me every step of the way and is incredibly savvy when it comes to medical stuff. It's just it's kind of his thing. I was, you know, as you can imagine, emotionally devastated. So he stepped to the plate and he, he went online. We were cautious with the information we got from the internet because sometimes it can be very misleading. I can't even tell you the number of books that people brought to me. Um, the first day when, you're, when you hear the news that you actually have breast cancer, it's devastating and your emotions are out of control. My husband was incredibly supportive and he was with me at every doctor's appointment every step of the way. And he took it upon himself, really, to, to do the research. We got home that night. He went online. We were very careful about what we read, you know, which websites we went to, because there is an incredible amount of misleading information out there. 
We tried to stay with you know, things like the American Cancer Society or Memorial Sloan Kettering. We did a lot of reading. We spoke with people that we knew that had gone through the breast cancer experience to get their advice. And we were flooded with books. And you know, I was just very fortunate that my husband could help sift through all the information and help make our decisions when it came to treatment. When I was diagnosed, I decided that I was going to be very public about the fact that I had breast cancer. It wasn't something that I felt needed to be a secret or kept hidden from anybody. I got more strength from talking about it and telling people than I did from if I would have kept it inside. I know some people choose to go to support groups. You have that anonymity. For me, it was better you know, knowing, facing people that I was seeing on a daily basis. They knew what I was going through, that they'd respect it if I was quiet on a certain day, if I wasn't feeling well. You know, they were there for me if I needed help with my children or, you know, things with my household or anything like that. I got a lot of strength and support by being very public about it and telling people. And in turn, the treatment that I got from my friends was beyond any expectation I had. They were so incredibly supportive. Within days of my diagnosis, I had food lined up at my front door. It got to the point where I finally had to tell people to stop sending food because I wouldn't fit in my refrigerator and we couldn't eat it fast enough. People were constantly offering, you know, to pick my children up for school or, you know, to do errands for me. It was endless, the kindness that people threw me. I had people sending me gift certificates to get my hair blown dry because they knew I couldn't raise my arms once I had my surgery. I had people sending me pajamas. They didn't know what to do for me. So whatever they could possibly pull together or think about, they did for me. It was amazing. And it was, I have to say, I always refer to that as part of my silver lining going through this, that as horrible as the whole experience was, it made me realize what an incredible circle of friends that I had to take care of me and my family. Now let's hear Terry's story. I was diagnosed on Friday, November 13th in 1998 at the age of 44. Uh, after I had uh, gone through a surgery for removal of fibroids and was told it was just like the rest of them that were removed, only to find out when they did the pathology report that it uh, had contained, there was the beginnings of of cancer within the fibroid itself. It was stage one. Uh, It really wasn't because being as I ended up being a second generation, my mother had had uh, was diagnosed in 1974 with breast cancer. So, again, I was pretty much uh, informed along the ways of self exams and mammograms. Um, I had found it early. Uh, I'd gone right in, and again, I'd had fibroids removed before. So that uh, at that point, it seemed to be a routine surgery. Um, so it was still early. It was encapsulated. It had not spread anywhere. In fact, the doctor uh, had a tough time reading it because of it being early that a lot of the uh, tumor markers along those lines weren't conclusive enough. Um, but again, with my past history being a second generation, we took the most aggressive form of treatments along those lines in order to make sure it was taken care of early. I had taught a full day of school. My team was getting ready to go to the final four in Syracuse for field hockey, because I'm a field hockey coach. I had scheduled my appointment after practice on my way home, thinking that it was just a routine checkup. I went into the doctor's office, and being from a centralized school, I knew the doctor because I had had his children in my classes. 
And I walked in and sat down and in my jovial personality, being excited about getting ready to you know, celebrate with my team, I said hello to the doctor and how is everything? And he had that stoic look on his face going and the doctor at that point sat me down and explained uh, when they had done the pathology report and it was reported back to the doctor as he is explaining it to me, uh, the size of the cancer that they had detected inside the fibroid, he um, equated to the size of a, a needle point. It was that small, but again, it was still detectable with all the tests that they run. You know, he said, if you can imagine the uh, point of a straight needle, that was how far the, uh, the pathology report had gone after all the slicing and dicing um, that they found. But again, with my history and with the family history with the breast cancer, his suggestion was, you know, to go home and, and think about it, but to uh, do the most aggressive. And him knowing my personality knew that <laughs> that was probably in my best interest also. As you're sitting there, you have that all of a sudden that out-of-body experience when he starts to say, Terry, we have a problem. You have breast cancer. So my way home, I don't even remember my drive, the 15 minutes from the doctor's office to the house, walking in um, with my family, getting in the door, and the kids are home from practices. And my husband at that time uh, says, how did everything go? And I walked in, I said, we have a problem. And proceeded to sit down at the dinner table and said, guys, we have a little problem, I have breast cancer. So the next week was a little foggy because I'm trying to keep my team and my household settled. Uh, my daughter was a freshman in college, so she wasn't even around to hear this. And um, I didn't want to disrupt my team because they were celebrating and going through. Uh, so the next week was difficult. In fact, the day I met with my oncologist to start the process of what I wanted to do was the day that my team left for the final four. So again, being a coach, being a teacher, you try to take it as a bump in the road and yeah, our game plan has a little shift. So now we, uh, I said, I'll deal with that after the most important thing at that point in time. And I think the hardest thing I had to do was not have to deal with my players for the loss that we had in the final four, but having to gather them in the locker room after the fact and say, by the way, guys, we have a little problem here and uh, not sure what's gonna happen, but, uh, you know, we go from bad to worse <laughs> in terms of uh, dealing with reality. So I think in a lot of ways, you know, having to deal with reality, they all of a sudden went from the loss, which they could deal with, to, okay, what are we going to do for coach now? Um, as I got home, and it was a weekend, it was a Friday, we got on the computer. I made some phone calls to friends, relatives, nurses at school. And again, having started at the ripe old age of 30 with my mammograms and all the different, you know, regular follow-ups uh, with my regular doctors, I was pretty much 
in tune with you know those things along the the different stages and whatnot but at the same time you still have the rude awakening of what's it going to be like to lose my hair how am I going to keep teaching you know how do I get this information to unfortunately my daughter who is a thousand miles away going to college and not disrupt her year she is still competing in uh, she went to UNC on a field hockey scholarship um, not to disrupt them because they're getting ready to go to the NCAAs. Uh, you know, all of you, you literally, as the old sentence goes, see your life before you. And trying to figure out at that point in time, I had a uh, seven-year-old. So that, you know, how am I going to deal with him in second and third grade having to deal with his mom going through it? So you see all those things going on and... It's the uncertainty. I'm a, I'm a very class A personality. I plan ahead so that all of a sudden, um, my one contention when I found that I said they are not going to disrupt my schedule and tried as best I could to keep on schedule um, so that you know you, you hit those bumps, but you still keep trying to be in control, which for a lot of times you're really not. Stunned, um, again, because uh, my husband then had been in the recovery room. It was a day surgery. Uh, to tell you how in control I wanted to be, I scheduled it at 6 o'clock in the morning so that I could go home, sleep, and my son drove me to my kids' game. My, my players had a game that night at 3 o'clock. So I was on the sidelines sitting in a lawn chair having my players tell me not to move. Here's how Marilyn remembers her husband's reaction to learning about her diagnosis. He didn't go with me to the doctor, so his reaction was he, he was sorry that he hadn't gone with me, that we hadn't arranged to have someone watch my daughter so that he could have been there to hear the doctor and to be right there to support me. So, you know, regretted that he wasn't there with me at the time because to hear the words... It was, as I said before, powerful and difficult to have that put to you, that that's a possibility. I think he worried for me. My first thought coming out of anesthesia was, what did they do? My first thought was to reach for my breast, and it wasn't there. So that's when you realize what happened. And you're in shock, really. In waking up, you reach for the breast. And that's the shock when you realize you're bandaged and they have taken your breast. It's a shock to come out of anesthesia and realize that this has happened. And then you have to go from there. I think the initial shock doesn't wear off for quite a long while because in thinking back, there were days when you'd open your eyes after sleeping all night, open your eyes, and the first thing you think of is, oh my goodness, I have breast cancer. So the initial shock, being in the hospital, having family and friends come and visit, there's a lot that goes on. You're busy, your mind is busy, but later on it sinks in that you have breast cancer. And that takes you a long time before you accept it and get beyond it. However you get through your cancer experience, your strongest allies may be other women, 
like the ones whose stories you've just heard. Hearing a variety of viewpoints from women who've recovered from breast cancer hopefully will help you realize that what you're feeling is normal and can help you develop your own coping skills. The American Cancer Society is here for you too. We can answer questions about your diagnosis. We have a variety of support programs to assist you, including Reach to Recovery, our program that can connect you with a local survivor. To learn more about programs available in your area, call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-800-ACS-2345. That's 1-800-ACS-2345. Or visit www.cancer.org. Stay tuned for Episode 2, which will explain the various treatment options available to you after diagnosis. We know that hearing the words, you have breast cancer, can be a frightening and isolating experience. We hope these episodes will be a guiding hand, leading you to answers during this critical time. And rest assured, we're here for you, and you're never alone. Thanks for listening, and take good care.